All right, now we're good. Good. Pastor Steve Andrews will be giving the second message today entitled The Rule of Law. All right. Uh, while Doyle is passing out my little handout today, don't panic. I'm not going to go through every scripture that's on there. <laughs> there is quite a few. Um, question. Uh, I was thinking about this. Of course, the, word, the rule of law has come up a lot in the, in the news media recently. Uh, you, you've, you've got to have not turned anything on ever to not at least hear the, 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 those, three, those words, the rule of law. So, I thought, well, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> I'll give it a try. Um, anyway, I got to thinking about this a little bit, and I thought, what if we lived in a society, all you drive, you're going to be really familiar with this. No stop signs. No traffic lights. No speed limits. No yield signs. No little orange buckets that tell you that you, you know, you're going to run over something. The whole society is just totally and completely open. You can do whatever you want. What is it going to be like? What are we going to see if there is no rules whatsoever? What's the one word that I, that I want? Chaos. Chaos headquarters, for those of you that uh, remember, <laughs> get smart. I mean, it would be total and complete chaos in our society if we did not have what we would call the rule of law. It's nice that people stop. Now, sometimes they don't. <laughs> and you know that. You've got to kind of be careful in this society because there are some people that love to run the red lights. But it is, for the most part, people do obey the laws and take those things into consideration. So, the rule of law is, is, is important in our lives. And so, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about where do you find an, a very interesting definition of someone that really, really had the rule of law deeply, deeply ingrained in their heart, ingrained and wrote it down. Now, I went and looked and I couldn't find any name, but it, to me it seems like it's got to be David. And the Psalm 119 is that, is that psalm. And that's what we're going to talk about today to some degree. If the little handout there, I was able to, to dig up the rule of law definition in a, I think, it was a legal definition, uh, uh, legal dictionary definition area. And I'm not real positive. I just copied it out. And that's the reason why the co things kind of are jumbled together off the page. I could, if, I, if I tried to, to do a delete and put it back together, it just went off the page, fell down. So I just left it the way it is. So hopefully you'll be able to read it. And so I want to read this. Rule according to law. 
rule under law or rule according to a higher law. I think you're going to understand where we're going with this. The rule of law is an ambiguous term that can mean different things in different um, contexts. In one context, the term means rule according to law. No individual can be ordered by the government to pay civil damages or suffer criminal punishment um, except in a strict accordance with well-established and clearly defined laws and procedures. And that's kind of where we are in, in this society today. In the second context, the term means rule under law. No branch of government is above the law, and no public official may act arbitrarily or unilaterally outside of the law. We, we believe in the rule of law. We have a constitution. We have laws and things that we have on the books. We have taxes <laughs> that we have to pay. Maybe we don't like that law, but we do it anyway, because they, you know, they'll come after you if you don't. And so we live under the rule of law. But the third one is the one that we as Christians are the most interested and the most um, de determined to try to live to the best of our ability. In the third context, the term means rule according to a higher law. Rule according to a higher law. No written law may be enforced by the government unless it conforms by certain unwritten universal principles of fairness, morality, justice that transcends human legal systems. And where do you find that, brethren? In this book. In this book. God wrote these down for all of mankind. And a lot of times, the laws that we have in the society that we live in are based on the law coming right out of this book. It was interesting, I, I, I was trying to find a definition of Psalm 119. I was trying to find something that would, would kind of give us a broad feeling for the, the, the person that wrote Psalm 119. And I, I, I think this is pretty good. The pattern of Psalm 119's carefully embroidered pattern showcases the psalmist's passion for the moral beauty of God's truth. I don't think that I could have come up with a better definition of Psalm 119. Because as you read through it, this person was passionate, passionate for God's law, for God's truth. For, and, and I wrote down seven of these <clears throat> key words that are in there that you can go in and search, and I've already done that a little bit for you. Now, that's what this uh, all of these numbers are, are the different places that these seven words are found. Commandments, judgments, law, precepts, statutes, testimony, and word. And they're just throughout the whole of Psalm 119. 176 verses. And there's a lot more to Psalm 119 than just this that I'm bringing. It's, it, it's so rich and so wonderful. Now, if you are the king, and I think this was King David. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure just by the, the, the reading of it and how the passion comes out in it, that it was Psalm 119, uh, the Psalm 119 was, was David's. 
you go to Deuteronomy, the 17th chapter, and there was a, there's, a, there's a command in there that, that was laid out by, by Moses in, by inspiration of God for all times that kings were to, to do something. When you are come into the land, verse 14, which the Lord your God gives you, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will, be, will set a king over me like all the nations that are about me. You shall in no wise set him king over you, whom the Lord your God shall choose. One from among your brethren shall you set king over you. You may not set a stranger over you, which is not your brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord said uh, to you, you shall hereafter return no more that way. Neither <clears throat> shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priest of Levi called the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books are set out with the law of God. Are set out with the law of God. And if the king would do that and literally sit and write himself his own copy, he would know what the rule of law was, wouldn't he? He would understand the rule of law because God is teaching him in those pages as he writes them down. And if you've ever watched somebody write the Hebraic characters, it's quite interesting. And I don't know if they had to go to school to learn it. I don't know, but it, it's, it's quite something. It's a, beautiful, <clears throat> it's a beautiful pen, but it's also very complex in its designs. And I am going to take another one here. And I don't know if this is fresh, but I am still very thirsty. <clears throat> so, and he says, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord, his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. So, a passionate king will have already done that. He will have already written this out, and he will already have it before him, and he will be meditating on it daily. He says, So that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren, that he turn not aside from the commandment to, to the right or to the, to the left, and to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. A lot of them did not do this. <laughs> the history is written. We already know what happened. So, but if they would have, and they did, and some of them did, they would live by that law, and they would understand the rule of law. Now, Jesus also commented on the rule of law, and we're very familiar with this one. We go to Matthew, the fifth chapter. And this is what we all stand on when we talk about the rule of law, don't we? Because we want to, we know how important it is. 
And it begins in verse 17. Think not. Don't think any other way. That's what Jesus said. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. To fill them up, to make them full. To make them, uh, and to help understand, to, to, to be richer. Not to do away with them. For fairly I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. That's those little comment marks and little things that are on the Hebraic thing. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no ways enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so consequently, Jesus upheld the rule of law, the Ten Commandments, all that was in those first five books, and the prophets, and all of the truth that's in the Word of God. So in John, the 14th chapter, again, as we look at the things that Jesus said towards the end of his life, and what did he do? And I didn't put this in there, but when he was 12 years old, what was he doing? He was sitting and learning rules of law from the elders at 12 years old. He said, I must be about my father's work. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, verse 12, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you do, um, what? See, I, no, that's not 12. Sorry about that. No, that's 14. That's where I want to be. Make sure that this is where I want to be. Oh, yeah, this is me. This is where I want to be. Okay. Sorry about that. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, and he will abide with you forever. Even that spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and it shall be in you. And he said, then I will not leave you comfortless. See, I was, how far was I going to go? Oh, I was going to go all the way to 23. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world sees me no more. But you see me, because I live, you shall live also. And at that time, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He that has my commandments and keeps him, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and he will manifest himself to him. Judah said unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you uh, will manifest yourself to us and not to the world and Jesus said if a man love me he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him so the love that we must express has to do with keeping the commandments of God keeping the rule of law in our life to the best of our ability and understanding that rule of life understanding that rule in um, Matthew, the 22nd chapter, 
It's just a prelude to all these scriptures I'm about ready to read. Matthew 22, beginning of verse 34. But the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence. They were gathered together, and then one of them, which was the lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, what is the greatest commandment in the law? The Lord Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And you can find that in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, by the way. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. They're summed up in the love that God gave us those commandments to rule our life. Not following the commandments of God is like being in a world full of chaos where there's no stop signs, nothing to keep you from getting hurt. The rule of law out of the Bible, out of the, out of the Ten Commandments, out of all of, of the, um, the prophets are what we live by and what we should understand and grow in grace and knowledge by. Okay, I want to stop right there. Now, in choosing which ones of these I was going to go through, I chose the last one. I chose the last one because there's some very wonderful gems in, in this word, word, in Psalm 119. So let's go back to Psalm 119, and let's pick it up with these scriptures that I've got marked here. I, don't, I didn't pick all of them because that would have taken quite a long time to go through every one of them. And, and I have some other things I would like to, to bring out as we go through these because when you do Bible studies like this or where you go in and you, you have a lot of scriptures like this, you need to be able to gather in other scriptures in the Bible to, to amplify, to, to, to strengthen those scriptures. Sometimes just reading them is, is enough. It, it's, it, it enriches you. But sometimes it's important to, to gather in other things. And so we're going to do that. We'll do both. We'll look at a single scripture. We'll talk about it. But we'll also maybe gather in some other ones. So in Psalm 119, and it might be nice if you just put your finger in Psalm 119 as we go to some of these other scriptures. First one is in verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking, their, taking heed thereunto, according to your word. All young men, there's a few of them in here. <laughs> Some of us, uh, maybe we're young at heart, I hope. <laughs> we feel like we still have uh, some time left on this earth. But I remember, as God began to call me, it was imperative to get into God's word, to study, to, to understand what I was and, 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 and where I was going and what God was calling me for. And part of that was to understand the rule of law coming right out of the Ten Commandments, right out of those first five books and trying to understand where do you find about the Sabbath? Where, it, Leviticus and, 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 and Exodus and you find out about the Sabbath and right in Genesis in the beginning so you, you, 
wow, the seventh day, that's to be kept? So as a young man, young men are to learn the word of God, and they cleanse themselves because it teaches us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. There's, there's laws in there to talk about our relationship to our family and relationships that we shouldn't have with other parts of our family. Now, incest is becoming quite prevalent in this society today. And the Bible very much goes down point by point by point by point and tells all about that. If you want to find it, it's in there. And you'll know what God says is wrong and what God says is right and what's pure in our relationships. So as a young man, as young people and old people, we need to understand the rule of law that comes out of this book, of this truth. Okay, verse 11. Let's look at verse 11. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, what would you hide in your heart to understand about sin? Well, you might go to Exodus, the 20th chapter, and you might look and you said, wow, here's what God says in Exodus, the 20th chapter. And he says, God spoke these words, saying, God spoke these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Words. But they're powerful words that direct our life, that rule our life. There are laws that need to be obeyed and, to meet, and really need to be understood in this society that we live in because there's a lot of other gods out there. And you need to be worshiping the true God. You shall not make unto you any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation to them that hate me. And showing mercy to thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Remember what it says. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And if you love God, keep the, all the commandments. Keep the commandments of God. It's important. He says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless and takes, takes his name in vain. We've had a lot of that. Common, common knowledge that everybody takes God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And in it you shall do no, uh, do, uh, not do any work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger that is within your gates. God wants us to rest on his day and enjoy the Sabbath. And he wants us to keep it on the day that he's going to be there. That he's going to visit us. I believe God's here, don't you? Don't you believe that God is visiting with us today? As we read these words and we try to uh, put them into practice and, and, and live by them. I believe God is here. He listens to our uh, messages. 
I'm a poor deliverer, but I'm, I'm hoping God will give, will help me out today in bringing this message. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, rested on the seventh, wherein the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives you. That first one that I read, young men, the law that cleanses us. If you can just do this one thing in honoring your mother and your father on this earth, that's one of the greatest things that you can do in your lifetime to the best of your ability, to honor your mother and your father. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Nobody stole. You, didn't, you wouldn't need locks. You wouldn't need keys. You wouldn't need uh, all the security stuff they love to sell on the, on the radios now. <laughs> Become extremely big business. Life lock. Probably shouldn't be advertising. But you can get stuff stolen right out of your account without ever even knowing it. They're not even stealing it out of your pocket anymore. They're just stealing it out of the air. So <clears throat> theft is uh, getting to be a big, big problem in this world. You shall not steal. If we can at least live by that. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife nor your manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Um, Hollywood has a big problem with this, number, this, this one here, about covering your neighbor's wife. How many times have we, maybe some of you don't even watch it, but there's a lot of coveting between men and women that are Hollywood stars, supposedly stars. They don't know that law at all. They don't abide by it. So let's go back. I hope you held your place in Psalms 119 because we're going back. Number 17, next one in the line. Number 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. And that word keep is uh, obey. It's interesting this young man or who, David or whoever wrote this, deal bountifully with me. Give me, a, give me a nice life so that I might live and keep your word. That I might be progressive in living that. Showing forth the rule of law to the, to the rest of the world. Doing what is right. And so that was his desire. That was his prayer. That he, he that God would deal bountifully with him so that he might keep his word. Verse 41, we're going to skip a few here. 41, let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, even your salvation according to your word. Now, some of you might have this word Lord and salvation under, underscored, and some of you may not. So I'm going to help you out a little bit. Because sometimes we get some Real interesting revelations out of the book when we have uh, a little note underneath them. The word Lord is Jehovah, Jehovah, uh, Yahweh, however you want to pronounce it. And even your salvation is Yeshua, Jesus. So 
what are we doing? We're looking to the future, aren't we? We're looking at all the salvation through Christ. Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, even your Yeshua, your Jesus, according to your word. The Messiah was preached all the way through the Bible. You can find him all the way through the Bible. And sometimes you find him in a word. <laughs> you find him in a word, which is very interesting. And there he is. And it's important that we understand that because God did sin. Mercifully did sin, his salvation through Jesus Christ. Okay, number 50. Number 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has quickened me. Well, it has renewed me, but then I got to thinking, it's interesting that in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and verse 13, just hold your place there real quickly and we'll go over there. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. There, um, there is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but, with, but will with that temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. No matter what our situation in life is, no matter how difficult the, the situation might seem, God will, will take care of us. He will provide for us. He will work with us. And I think a lot of us have seen that. This is my comfort in my affliction. For your word has comforted me, has renewed me, has quickened me. Your word is a, is a blessing to us. Okay, verse uh, 58, real close to that one, 58. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. When you go to God in prayer, do sometimes you take the Bible with you? Do you use the Bible to say, Father, you, you said this. <laughs> or Jesus, I remember when you said this. I, I'm going to read it to you. I'm, I'm really having trouble. I'm really struggling. I need your help. And here's what you said. Here's what you said you would do for me. And you take that to him. And they said, Yes, I, I, I'm, I remember. I entreated your favor. I went to you in prayer and asked with my whole heart to be merciful to me according to what you said in your word. I remember one time, you, uh, it's been quite a long time ago, there was, a, uh, there was an article about this couple that wanted to, that one of their, their baby was dying or something or has some kind of problem. And they literally put, they had the baby in the crib and literally took the Bible, opened it to a page where God promised healing and prayed over that baby and, and petitioned God that that baby would be healed. Now, I don't remember. I think it was, but I'm not positive. But I think that, that when they prayed, they kept praying that, that God would heal them by his word. And I believe that baby was healed. So we have the word of God. We can go to it. We can be strengthened by it. We can, we can, we can grasp that. In verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. 
But now I have kept your word. How many of us need revival sometimes? Sometimes we wander around, we know what we should be doing, and we don't do it. We know that we should be acting a better, different way, and we don't, we don't do it. Um, and we need revival. We need to come back to God. We need to, to have God uh, in our heart. We need to, to repent, maybe, of something that we've been doing wrong. Or, and we need to come back. And God says, you can come to me anytime. I'm merciful. I'm full of mercy. I'm lo- I, I love you. You're my, my children. And you can come to me at any time. And so... We're encouraged, and he was encouraged by that. He was encouraged that when he was afflicted, he could go to the Word of God and it would bring him back. We can do the same thing. We can open the book. We can look in the book, and we can be strengthened by that. Verse 89, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And I do have a, I do have a scripture to go to. Matthew 6, verse 10. You are all very familiar with this one. I have no problem. Because Jesus said, this is what's going on right now. Maybe I'll just read the whole prayer. (laughs) He says, after this manner, verse 9, therefore pray. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. By the way, I, I've got my uh, sword back. I was misplaced for a while. My wife filed it for me. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is already in heaven. His will is being done in heaven already. God's word is settled in heaven. Satan could not take over the throne of God. God rules by law. And he rules by power. And he rules by might. And, he, and there's no one going to take that throne away from him. <laughs> Satan didn't realize he was a created being. So he tried to take the throne away from God. And then he found out that he was just a created being. It kind of looked neat. Sometimes we have to be put down. He just didn't learn any lessons. That was the problem with him. And he just became more and more incensed. So we find. He asked, and of course, from this prayer, which is a sample prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's from the evil one, from from the devil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen, brethren. 101. Let's skip all the way to number 101. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word. Boy, I wish that was uh, uh, true for, (laughs) for me. I wish that in every way that his word would keep me from doing the things that shouldn't be done. And, but this psalmist says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word. 
so that I might be in the right relationship with my God. So that I, when I turn to those pages and I look at his word, he encourages me, strengthens me, guides me, and leads me. And that way, when I kind of drift away from God, his word moves me back, brings me back. Sometimes when we're driving and that wind gets so strong out there, sometimes I like to drive with one hand. Boy, that little car, when the wind is blowing, I got both hands on the wheel. That's why I want want God to be with me. I want him to direct me and have both hands on the wheel of his law and truth. All right, 105. Your word, oh, this is, I love this one. This is so beautiful. This is so wonderful. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When we open the word of God, does it lighten things up, help us to understand what's going on in this world, why things are happening the way they happen? Yeah, we're all sinning, what the world says. We love it. God says, you're a sinner, and you're going to pay for it someday if you don't repent. You're all going to go to the lake of fire if you don't repent. That's what it all comes down to. And if you don't turn to the book and learn the rule of law, you're going to just leave, and you know, you're know you just going to live this life in the way that you're living it. Romans 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Let it not be so. God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but that the law but by the law. For I had not known lust except that the law had said you shall not covet. So where did he go to find that? <laughs> where did he go to find that? I mean he didn't just write that down. You shall not covet. He went to Exodus, the 20th chapter, verse 17, or he went to Deuteronomy 5, verse 21. Of course, back then, he didn't have that, all those wonderful things that you could do. He, they knew where to find them in the Torah, in the Pentateuch, whatever you want to call it. They were able to find those things, those you shall not covet. Without the light of the law, you would never know that you were against God. Romans 8, verse 7. It's interesting. 7, verse 7, and 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind, the natural normal mind, those people that are running around out there, if they don't repent, if they don't open their minds, if they don't see the word of God. They're, they're, they're enemies to God. That's what it says. And they're just fleshly and hostile to God, and we are gaining more atheists by the day, and they're becoming more and more vocal in this world, and Christians are kind of, mm, now we're all supposed to live together in this world, and you know, we're get along. Get along, and what is it? We're get along in something else? But all it does is shut us and the word of God out so that someday there will be 
a drought of the word of God because they're going to shut it off because they don't want to hear it. 116, two more verses, a couple more scriptures. I'll be finished. 116, uphold me according to your word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. It's interesting that, I, that there was a reference in my Bible to Romans 5 and verse 5. And I'm going to read more than just verse 5. And beginning in Romans 5, verse 5, And hope makes not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commends his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being more justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So it's important to understand the law of God, but it's also important to understand the reconciliation of Jesus Christ. And the important part that he is playing in our salvation. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. I don't see how far I wanted to go with this. And I think that's the last that I wanted to go. Let's go back. One more scripture and one more um, scripture to. And there's 133. Order my steps. Direct me. Establish me. Make me. Help me to go in the right way. Order my steps in your word. And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. What a prayer. What a wonderful prayer. Jesus, please, as you walked on this earth, let me walk like you. Let me walk as, as you walked on this earth. Order my steps in your word. And let not iniquity have dominion over me. Don't let the sin just grind me in to the world that I live in. Because it could. It's very easy to, to do, to, to sin in this world, isn't it? It's very easy to become a, a part of the world and just float down the, the stream with the rest of the world. And I think there's a song about resisting that, not being a part of that. Romans 6 and verse 12. Romans 6 and verse 12. This goes with that. Let not sin, therefore, reign or rule or have dominion in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust or the evil desires thereof. So, with just a few of these, Psalm 119, we are introduced now to a very profound and wonderful psalm called Psalm 119. I'm hoping that it's uh, um, David's psalm. I, I think it might be just because of the way it's written and some of the wonderful things that are in it. But even if it isn't, it's profound for all of us because that one teaches us, brethren, that we are right when we keep 
God's truth and the rule of law.